You make this pizza? Who make this pizza? We're asking you. This your store logo, sir? That's in my box. This pie was found at a crime scene. My pizza never hurt nobody. You are listening to Pada Bing, a podcast that breaks down every episode of The Sopranos, one at a time. Season three, episode nine, The Telltale Mozzarella. My pizza never hurt nobody. Written by Michael Imperioli, directed by Dan Adias. Originally aired on April 22nd, 2001. Before we jump into the episode, a couple of cool things happened to you guys this week or weeks. Uh, start with John. Hey. Um, one of your memes got the attention of Michael Gandolfini. Oh, my goodness. What was the meme? How'd you conceive it? And tell us the rest of the story. It was a cold morning, and I, I woke up, and there had been some photos released of um, the set of Newark, or The Many Saints, or the working title of this Sopranos Hold, prequel. Yeah, I'm going to cut you off. Hold on. Yeah. It's The Many Saints of Newark until IMDB changes it. I agree with you. Okay, let's just call it The Many Saints of Newark. I still hold on to that hashtag, too. Yeah. So, uh, immediately, it just kind of dawned on me from the, the photos that... Uh, Michael Gandolfini looked very similar to Javier in uh, Javier no Con- Bardem. Bardem in No Country for Old Men. So I posted that one. Uh, it got some legs on our page. And uh, the following day, Michael Gandolfini posted it. The fact that there's somebody from that universe that's like taking notice is a really cool thing. So congrats on that. Well, thank you. Yes. Okay. So Naya, you released a new single. I did. How have things been since? First of all, congrats. It's amazing. I love it. But how have things been since? It's been really good. I mean, I haven't released music in over two years. So it's a... Can you say how many songs you have like in your wheelhouse right now that that you're you're working on? I have an EP coming out that has eight songs and an album that will probably have like 12 to 14. And will Face be on the EP? Mm -hmm. And is the EP planned for 2019? It's planned for us very soon, a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. In the next few months. So... A couple of technical questions. I know you have told me privately that you love to let the music just speak for itself, Mm -hmm. but I just have a couple of of questions, okay? Because your people are going to want to know this. Your fans are going to want to know this. How did you come up with the Melody Gardot sample? I mean, I love kind of. I love jazz, and Robin had presented me the beat without the sample first. Robin, Hannibal, Robin, yeah, and um, I was like, I don't know. This is like very trap. I couldn't really see myself on it. I just thought it was like a little above my head. And so then he was like, well, what if we put a sample on it? And I was like, as long as it would be something that makes it more like old or something. So we found that little metal, Melody Gardot sample and put it on. And I was like, okay, I can I can hang here. And that made it, mm-hmm. you took it from trap to something that Naya would do. Yeah. I love it. I think the coolest thing I've been enjoying is all of your fans and you reposting stories of people lip syncing it. I know. We asked for a few just to see and then like a flood of other people just like want to be a part of it. People are just like so excited to show me their face. (laughs) That's a really good song. Thank you. Okay. Exciting times. Title. Telltale Mozzarella. A play on Telltale Heart. A short story by Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, The Mozzarella. On the custom job pizza was a telltale sign, right? References to the title in the show 
Gloria's suicidal past and slew of broken relationships was a telltale sign for Tony, right? Uh, And Jackie being at the wrong place at the wrong time multiple times over and in subsequent episodes that we're going to see of him, a telltale sign that Tony should, that he should have never let Meadow come into his life. Right? Yeah. So, really cool title. Not as simple as it looks at first glance. I read, according to Michael Imperioli, that it could also be used as a derogatory name for an Italian man. Yeah. Yes. Muzzadel. He did a director's cut of this episode, and he had some commentary in it. And I've quoted some, some of his lines from that commentary. I paid a lot more attention in this uh, episode that he wrote than I have in other ones. Me too. And it, I felt like I heard his voice in it. It was a significantly different episode. Totally. Uh, I'm going to sound risky. I have an explanation for it later, which I'll get into, but this was kind of a sleepy episode. Is that fair? We've had a term that we've called these types of episodes, haven't we? That... Not a palate cleanse, though. I like this You don't this think one. it was a palate cleanse? we were very much in oh, the yeah, Sopranos universe. Oh, yeah, there was so much universe. going on. But it was sleepy. It was a setup. It was... Yeah. Layered. It was layered. There you like go. Like cheese. Beautiful. Like a mozzarella. <laughs> um, a custom job. Yeah. <laughs> I lo- oh, my God. Don't wait. Just wait till we get to that scene, okay? I'm going to fucking shit my pants when we talk about that scene. Um, initial comment. Tony has a dubious line to Gloria in this episode where he says, What are my chances of kidnapping you for the rest of the afternoon? I'm closing on a car. Come on. What the Hans and Franz do the paperwork? I'm going nuts thinking about you. I really love what the writers did here. It's a classic payoff for viewers that really pay attention like us, right? He has met someone like her before. He's known people like her his whole life. Sometimes you just don't realize it. He just hasn't confirmed it yet. But close watchers get it right away. And I think, and in case it wasn't completely clear just then, later we're going to hear Gloria confirm it with the line, which we'll analyze Poor you. Okay? Mm. We know where that's come mm. from before, right? The beauty is in the subtlety. If you're not hanging on every word of the show, you're going to miss it. Uh, HBO synopsis. Tony gives Carmela a sapphire ring for her birthday. And Christopher gives Adriana her very own music club. Anthony Jr. gets busted for vandalizing the school swimming pool, but finds the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Tony test drives a new Mercedes and the Mercedes saleswoman, Gloria, Annabella Ciora, which um, Michael Imperioli says it that way on the director's cut. Ciora? Ciora. Interesting. So I'm going with that. Right off the bat, on my mind question, I didn't ask you guys last week, why wasn't there a Tracy funeral? Should there have been? She was a hua. I hate to say that, yeah. I mean, maybe there was, There but was, yeah. you didn't see it. And you guys are heartless. They didn't go. We are. Anyway, I just wanted to ask that. I wanted to pose it to the listeners and to the fans. Like, it could have been cool material for them to work with. There would have. Um, there probably was one. We see her, like, sad mom and her little son. Just tragic. The episode starts off with Carmela receiving birthday presents from the gamut. Everybody. I thought, I thought, I found, I went a little, like, Metaphorical, do you know what a sapphire stone is usually known for? A stone of commitment and fidelity. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it makes that present even worse now. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. Nice work. So 
she gets a sapphire from Tony, which she's immediately suspicious of, right? And kind of it's undercurrent continues throughout the episode. AJ gives her the Matrix. Love it. Which was a nice little subtle tie-in for Joe Pantoliano, who plays Cypher in it. Was in the Matrix. Um, Michael Imperioli said he bought the DVD for himself, AJ did, and already watched it and handed it down to his mom. That's why he didn't wrap it. Nice little production thing. Carm accepts the sapphire. She has to know it was ill-gotten, though, right? He's not walking into Harry Winston. I don't know. She's just so excited about her big jewelry. Does it matter to her? <clears throat> I mean... This is, this is the dilemma. This is what we yeah. need to explore. Later on the couch, Meadow's sitting with Jackie and AJ, and she says she wants to come watch AJ play football, too. AJ makes a face. Any thoughts on Why? I'm asking because of the deliberate camera tell. I mean, it's he's getting attention from this cool older guy, and then suddenly his sister's, like, taking him away. It's like he's a little jealous. And, like, she's never gone to a game before, but she only wants to go because her boyfriend's going now. Like, that happens to me. That happened to me. Like, my boyfriends would be nice to my little brother who played football, and then he wouldn't want me to go, but he'd want them to go because it's, like, cool. It's like a role model thing. Okay. I had some notes about the gift that Jackie brought over too it was like a giant bottle of Sutter's Home did you make it out? I didn't get the brand but that was what I compared it to just table wine in a massive bottle kind of cheesy yeah not worthy of the Soprano household no and the way she accepted it thank you sir well she's a pro man yeah she's the fucking consummate pro of life Uh, (laughs) like in terms of like handling all her shit even receiving bullshit gifts Mm -hmm. okay what movie is Tony watching in bed? I had that somewhere. It was a... I learned it from Michael. He tells us in the director's cut. It's a gift. It's a gift Mm. by W.C. Fields. And it's a film about a guy battling his wife, annoying children, and incompetent associates. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Apparently, David Chase is an avid uh, W.C. Fields fan. Correct. And I think also in 46 Long... Tony performs an impression of Fields. Warble you, my Wren? From the bank dick, which is another W.C. Fields. The trope for all these W.C. Fields references in every man battling his domestic and professional lives. Very fitting. Yeah. To a T. To a T. Pun intended. (laughs) Carm wants Meadow to spend more time at the MoMA. The line, pictures of soup cans rather than be close to home, is a reference to Andy Warhol. Okay, why is Meadow doing Jackie's homework? The Edgar Allan Poe paper, which is a nod to the title, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, is that, does that actually happen in relationships? Yeah. I think Jackie's a rebound for Meadow. I think she was really hurt by Noah. I love that you said that. Yeah, and I think, you know, he is beneath her, obviously, in some regards. she's He's safe, he's comfortable, he's what she knows, that's why she's hanging out home more. And, like, that's why Carmela's nervous, but, like, he gives her attention, whether or not it's his real motive, but, like, it's a safe thing, because she's been hurt. She went all the way up, someone who's, like, you know, interesting and educated, and where do they go? Diverse. CBS, Yeah. I like that you said that. We'll come back to it. So she's kind of a little lost. He's a rebound. Yeah. AJ and friends trash the school pool. Lady Gaga makes a cameo in the show before, of course, being the superstar that we know today. Safe to say she's the biggest deal 
to come out of the show in terms of worldwide phenomenon. The only other two that I can think of are Lin-Manuel Miranda and Michael B. Jordan. She's bigger than both of them, right? What about Perez Hilton? The school vandalism, that's kind of next level shit, right? Like, it takes a certain kind of person to vandalize a school to that degree. I did that. You did? Mm -hmm. I punched a chapel window. I was checking a statue of limitations. (laughs) I was on anything that I had done, so I can't reveal anything. Okay. (laughs) Um, When you're a kid, you don't think about all of the repercussions from it. Totally. Vandalism in young adults is usually caused by peer pressure. Yeah. And that's basically what she's like, if you they jumped off the George Washington Bridge, would you do that too? Which is such a phrase that I'd heard a million times growing yeah, up. Did too. you guys? Of course. Yeah. How does one vandalize yeah. a pool? I loved that line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Meadow asks for a car. Is that a sick joke? Eric Scatino and his dad come up. Again, we're living, picking up from stuff we've already seen. The dad, of course, played by Robert Patrick. David Scatino, we learn, is in a mental health facility in Nevada. Nevada. Sounds nice. There's something about Nevada, right? As a place where people go, kind of like a dumping ground for the once fortunate who have, through circumstances, become the less fortunate, right? Sure. I know a lot of people that are in Nevada not a lot of people. It sounds like I, it sounds like I know what cocaine smells like. Uh, <laughs> but like I know people that are in Nevada, but they don't want to be in Nevada. You know. Anyway, I, I don't think it's the American dream for people to to move there. When Carm tells Meadow she should take advantage of the city, this is coming back to what you said about rebound. Mm-hmm. When Carm tells Meadow she should take advantage of the city and its cultural offerings, she stares. Meadow stares into the distance. Her mood changes. Again, I pay attention to this more than most people, but thoughts. Am I the only one that noticed that? She changed. I think right then, Naya, she kind of broke up with Jackie in her mind. Oh, I thought the opposite. She was like endearingly looking at him because he was like playing with her little brother. I don't want to go to the museum. I want to stay here with my like douchey boyfriend. She's in love. She's pining after him. She's like... I totally disagree. Really? I think she's way too fucking smart. Again, the line from Tony, nothing gets by her, nothing gets past her, whatever the line is. She knows that it's a rebound. I don't think she knows yet. She does. She knows it's a rebound. She doesn't want to think about Noah. And right then her mother realized, man, I fucking live in the city. Well, deep down she might know, but I think she's still like... Pretending she doesn't. That I w- I'll say she is smart enough to know he's not right for her, but she's not going to admit that yet. She's not going to admit it to her, yeah. but the way the camera locked on her for that extended ugly headband pause. It was. I guess. Um, Sorry. She, because she's studying, man. She pulls that hair back so she can get in those books. Okay? <laughs> she knew it was over then, and she's just going to play it out, and she's going to let him down softly. Or does she even have to? I don't know. I'm going to point to future episodes and, and bring this, this point back, because I, I don't think she'd act the way that she does in future episodes under that pretense. Okay, let's see. Right. I'm just saying right then in that moment when she's gazing off into the sunset, it wasn't Little House on the fucking Prairie. <laughs> Good segue. Uh, finally... In the background of this conversation about a car, you're hearing an NPR show, which is called Car Talk, which is now defunct, but it is, or it was a great show. It's playing in the background during this exchange. Nice little touch. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. My favorite part of this episode and low-key top five 
side scenes that don't directly involve Tony Soprano, Carmela, the family, the crew, the cop procedural gumshoe scene, a.k.a. My pizza never hurt nobody. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> First off, great choice of actors to play the cops. Actually, just a great casting all the fucking way around. The two pizza artists. What do you call them? Pizza artists? Like, I was thinking I like Subway. Like, you know, it was like Subway sandwich artists. Like, like artists. What is a pizza maker called? Is there like a pizza fancy man. word for that? Pizza man. Uh, let's you know see. what I'm talking I, about? I know what you're like, a, like a barista. You know? Yeah, it's like, not a dishwasher. A, it's a hydro ceramic technician. You got a barista for coffee and you've got a commendatore for... Uh, sub- a, a pie maker. You know? Yeah, maybe a pie. A pie maker. Let's call them the pie men. The pizza artists. Okay, yeah. if someone can tell me what the official barista term is for pizza man, I'd like to know. Pizziolo, a person who makes pizzas. A pizziolo. Okay, and two cops. The scene felt like a mini movie, and there's so much material and room to extend the universe of this scene into a spinoff series or some variant. So, so good. If you could do, take those four characters, and you can just put them in a room together, you have a little digital web series right there. I, I thought hate. it was a uh, an exercise in Quentin Tarantino, mm. just the dialogue and the quick quips okay. back and forth the cuts yeah it was it was fun it's a great scene it was a great change of pace and injection of energy into what was for the most part a sleepy episode yeah. building plotting setting up all that stuff but still sleepy nonetheless lesson learned if you eat pizza Eat all of it. Don't leave any evidence. Or don't no, have a custom job. Don't get a custom job, which That's is another true. great fucking line. That's yeah. a custom job. Double, I love double that. meatball, double cheese. Look, the technical observation that I had here, Autopsy also alludes to this. I was thinking the same thing as I was watching it. The Zoom close-ups, the pans from the pizza to the pizza men, the picholos, <laughs> and then the pullback to reveal the culprit, AJ. Yeah, so cool. great. That it is... Good. It creates this whimsical levity, like a waltz, okay? All the while mocking the police procedural aspect of this sequence. My pizza never hurt nobody. Finally, the use of Carmela's voiceover so good. to merge it all together is so wonderful. It's like a nice cheese pizza when she comes in, you know? Mm-hmm. I love how she's trying to find like a reason why he did it. Yeah, well, she's being like, a good parent. Yeah. Really good parenting trying to get at the heart of the matter rather than just like jumping straight to scolding, like trying to understand your kid, yeah. which is, again, in 2001, is kind of rare. It's more of a modern thing. Just a well-thought-out and precise scene that every time I watch it, I, I get a giggle. Not even a giggle, like a full-bore laugh. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I walk around the kitchen, and my five-year-old, Daddy, like, stop. You know, and, my pizza never hurt nobody! <laughs> <laughs> I had burrata last night. Okay. Ooh. Thank you. Segway. Beautiful. Artie's burrata. Can either of you explain the difference between mozzarella and burrata? So what is your definition? And then I'll read you the official definition. My definition yeah. is mozzarella doesn't fall apart. Burrata, it, like, it's more mushy and watery. Oh. Mozzarella is like, you know, I mean, it's like harder. But it's, I like them both. Okay. Do you have a preference? Is burrata more gourmet? Burrata's fancier, they think, because it's like, you know, I don't know. I don't know the terms. So fresh mozzarella cheese is a semi-soft Italian cheese made from cow or Mm -hmm. water buffalo milk. Water buffalo. Burrata cheese takes mozzarella to the next level. Yep. Okay? It's mozzarella that's formed into a pouch and then filled with a soft, stringy curd and cream. 
And it that tastes explains like the same, why though. it falls apart. Yeah, but it's very similar. Okay. The line. Oh, Ralph is a real find, row. You hang on to him. What the fuck? She's just saying that shit. Is she that naive, though? Is she that, no. like, outside? I think they are. That's Really? That's how delusional these two are because they rationalize the men that they're with. And they see them in this presentation of being able to provide for them, being somewhat gentleman, respectable. They don't know that Ralph killed a hooker two episodes ago. Oh, her name was Tracy. Oh, excuse me. Two E's. But Roe had just given Carmela some compliments about Meadow, and I think Carmela felt like I got to find something to say. She had to reciprocate. Yeah, and she Ooh, didn't like say that. anything about Jackie. She said, like, you know what, you know, okay, Ralphie's got moving up, like, stick onto him, like he's, you know, getting close to Tony. She's got to come up with something. And if your friend's happy, you're you're happy. It, okay. If Ralph's treating Roe nice, then yeah. what does Carm have to say? Brata. Okay. Roe has a great line. Very ominous, like, planting seeds in the Sopranos viewer kind of like consciousness. You can only push a man so far. Oof. Cut to Gloria. Oh, Gloria. Getting out of a car after a test drive, and the shot is focused on her legs. The same extremity that initially attracts Tony to Melfi. At least, and there's a connection here, okay? Melfi and and Gloria. I think there's a thing going on, subtext here. Uh, At least in terms of where the camera deliberately pulls focus, right? We always see Melfi in the greatest presentation of legs. Yeah. And when her legs get damaged, there is a multitude of scenes that convey to us that Tony's very bothered by that. Yeah. And then Gloria, we're introduced to her, the opening scene, is nothing but legs in the same voice of nothing but net. Okay? She's wearing fishnets. Fishnets. And then when you see her, it's so uncommon that this sequence, usually you'll get like a shot in film or cinema where... It'll show the feet, like it'll show someone stepping out of a car and you'll see their shoes and then it'll pan up. Uh But this is straight on right into her midsection. Yeah. Okay. And nothing but legs. And it's just a great little contrast. Again, we always talk about the cuts and the film edits of the show. This was this was Carmela looking sort of angsty and, and thinking in the back of her mind about how like like, what is Tony possibly doing now that I have a sapphire? Cut to that. It's perfect. Tony gives Gloria a gift. What a gift giving. I thought it was interesting to see the difference of their, like, feelings about it. She could care less about the stupid wallet. But, like, seeing Carmela's happiness about the gift versus Gloria's, like, I think he was expecting Gloria to feel more excited because that's what he's used to giving gifts to women. And she's like, thanks. Well, like Livia, it's kind of like, eh. Yeah. It's kind of the hand gesture. Yeah, yeah you know, been shopping. I got Elizabeth to watch this episode with me last night. Just I wanted to just finish one more. Basically, you're just trying to make sure that uh, you still want to marry her, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> she dislikes the show completely, but she made. Does she I'm want like, a this sapphire? Is, this is a nice show. It's or, uh, this is a nice episode. It's not very violent. And we get to this scene, and she goes, "He's cheating on his wife." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." I love the shot of her walking away from him. Yeah, she's so proud of herself. No, but just the choice to have her walk into the camera. Yeah. 
Yeah, she just turned him down. That's why she's like, oh, yeah. She's proud because she turned him down, or yeah. she's proud because she has well, a, an agenda that he's falling into his... That's, she, he's falling into her trap. That's, that's, that's like, why she's proud, because she's, like, laid a trap, take me to the zoo, I gotta work, goodbye. Power play. Yeah. She's in charge of the progression she's really of like, this. Yeah, that's why she, like, smirks. The motion of her walking into the camera was very snake-like. Mm-hmm. The first indication of snakes in the show. Cut to Polly. Like my segue here, watching a doc about snakes, which is a nice little riff on the two guys just having a moment together without anybody else. Coincidence? I think not, Mm. right? Not at all. Lots of dialogue set up here, though, and reminders, right, of all the reptiles in Tony's life. Livia, Mm -hmm. Janice, Mm -hmm. Gloria, could she be a reptile? Random question for y'all. Does Carmella fit into that box? Is she reptilian? No. Is Melfi reptilian? I mean, snakes can represent healing. In this episode, in the contrasting therapy sessions, is she a little reptilian? I'm just putting it out there. Well, what? So, just putting it out there. in that definition, are you saying in a sinister? Well, sort a rep- of way? if you look up the word reptilian, besides yeah. the obvious, it means a an awful person. So a person that everybody despises, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes me think of Ralph. Does it have to be gender specific in no. the case of reptilian, right? Ralphie's mm-hmm. reptilian. There's a lot of reptiles in Tony's <laughs> life. A lot of reptilian figures. And this is a nice sort of sidebar riff between Polly and Tony to remind us. This is a palate cleanse, if you will. Hey, Tony, a lot of people around you, you should be and could be telling to go fuck themselves. Tony sits down with Jackie, the protective speech, I called it. Tony doesn't want his daughter involved with someone like him. Okay? That's interesting. And deep. I thought Tony wanted someone like Jackie. No. Him being so concerned about Jackie is him saying, I don't want my daughter to be involved with someone like me. Mm. That's deep and complicated. That's what I'm seeing as I'm watching it. And I don't really have a question here, but please discuss and react to this notion that Tony doesn't want Meadow to get mixed up like Carmella did. I believe it's been touched on in Melfi's office already, at least with respect to AJ. He doesn't want AJ to be in this life. Is it fair to say, or I'm just laying it on the table, that... Tony doesn't want his daughter to be with someone like him. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. What It says a lot about Tony, though. Mm-hmm. He realizes he's never going to admit it, but with respect to his daughter, who you guys know how I feel about that relationship and that the whole dynamic, with respect to his daughter, he will admit it. And he will admit that he is not the person that she should be with. I will concede it's a notch up in the Tony as a good father. My point. He's a good father. He's not a good father. He's a great father who just happens to have a really fucked up occupation. Occupation. Right? Yeah. He wants his cake and eat it too. He he doesn't want Jackie to live his life, but he wants his daughter to be with like an Italian by osmosis made guy. Look, the hypocrisy is rampant, right? This is the same episode where he's starting a new relationship with a woman who he's head over heels in love with. I'm just pointing out the the idea here, laying it on the table. 
they talk about Poe again, a reference to Poe, the and the title of the episode. Tony mentions Vincent Price, who was an actor that appeared in many horror films, in addition to many Edgar Allan Poe adaptations. Tony is a well-versed cinephile. Mm-hmm. That's true. The Crazy Horse launches, you guys. The name is a nod to a club once owned by Vincent Pastor, Big Pussy, and that club was in New Rochelle, New York. Polly hands Chris an envelope. Uh, you can't hear much. I think that the whole thing is they were there to pay respects, mm-hmm. and I think it was to separate that generation from from what that club was like. Like this place is not our kind of place. I can't Too even loud. fucking hear. And here's some money we we put together because that's what you do in this sort it's like of a world. Gift. It's like a yeah. wedding, a send off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. I lo- I thought that's exactly what I thought too. Like it's too loud for these old folks. Yeah. It's hilarious. They were out of place. Yeah. Furio throws out drug dealers. Seems like just a little color. Get Furio on camera. A little salt on your chicken fried steak, if you will. But it has the trappings of a storyline that will follow the crazy horse. So. It's painful. It's kind of like, what is this kind of going on? There's there's a reason for it. They're planting seeds. Cut from Furio to a gorilla at the zoo, which was a nice choice. The zoo sequence was shot in L.A. Really? They were not at the Bronx Zoo. They was were that in, the L.A. Zoo? They were in Los Angeles. That stretch of the zoo. I always thought something was off. Like, I've seen this before. Never been to the Bronx Zoo. I've been to the Los Angeles Zoo probably 55 times. I have a five-year-old, so you can imagine how many times, and I live close to it. You've been to that snake area? and just like Yes, I've been to the reptile room. Took a photo? That stretch of the zoo has not changed, which is kind of sad. As great and important as a city as LA is, the zoo really does leave a lot to be desired. I just went to one in Santa Barbara. It's a great zoo. zoo. This whole thing kind of reminded me of that Matt Damon movie. We bought a zoo. Oh, God that me and like 19 other people actually liked. Uh, you don't need to put that on your list with Castaway and I. You're safe on that We one. bought a zoo. <laughs> Isn't that the title? Like, yeah. we bought a zoo. I just want to know. I want to shake the hand of the auteur that took that to the money and said, this is the title. And the yeah. money just wrote a check. <laughs> I know. The person that got that movie made deserves a lot of fucking credit. Yeah. Okay? We bought a zoo. Like, and you liked the movie. I like, I enjoy, I enjoy stuff like that, man. Yeah. I enjoy Matt Damon. You know, he had me at, you like apples? Do you like apples? What? Hey, you haven't seen Don't Goodwill Hunting? Don't tell me. Do not tell me you have not seen I've Goodwill seen Hunting. I've seen it, but not like where I know the line man, about apples. Like do you line. like apples? Well, I got a number. How do you like them apples? Oh yeah, that's Boston. I should know all that shit. That is one of the best scenes of all time. Shutting down your adversary. It's up there. Do you do you agree with me? Oh totally. Well, I got a number. <laughs> How do you like them apples? All right, I'll watch it again. Goodwill Hunting is so beautiful. Elliot Smith. Ugh. Anyway, back to the LA Zoo. Just to wrap that up, we bought a zoo. I wish somebody like Matt Damon would buy the LA Zoo and make it worthy of its location. The line, joyful participation in the sorrows of the world. It's a great sentiment. It reminded me of what Meadow said, boredom or suffering. Yeah. Gloria says, we alluded to this already, poor you. Every time I hear the words poor you, I think of Livia and in Livia's voice. Tony pulls back and blinks rapidly. A Pot of Bing listener obsessively DM'd about this, that he has a basically a panic attack if you look at it, right? Do you guys see it too? Yes. The rapid blinking of the eyes. And then he, the possibility of sex is essentially what gets him out of his panic attack, which is the thing that was brought to my attention. Like, 
he almost is about to fall over on the ground, like your all time one of your all time memes, where when you when you lose your phone and you can't figure out how mm-hmm. he falls to his, yeah. he brings into. But then as soon as she gets fresh with him, he gets he snaps out of it, which is kind of an interesting thing. So I felt like if there was some sound to accompany that sort of pull away and then suction back into reality, it would have been more definitive. But yeah, well, it would have taken away. It's, it this have. shows about realism yeah. and having like a. A score. That's one of the reasons why he doesn't have a score because mm. it takes you out of the realism. Yeah. When he does have these attacks, there's an auditory, there's a camera jiggle. Yeah. And even if this was a small one, at least maybe it would cue that so it's not subtle. Yeah. You mentioned this a moment ago, Naya, the reptile room. Let's cut to the scene in the reptile room real quick. A little biblical, obviously, mm-hmm. with the snake in the background. I remember, Tony brings up Adam and Eve in an earlier conversation with Polly about snakes. There's a fantastic autopsy tie up here. I'm going to quote him. Polly says the line about snakes fucking themselves. Mm-hmm. Tony later tells Gloria that. And her immediate response is, give me your hand. That's so clever that he caught that. I love that. That's just fucking great. That's exactly, and all the credit to the writers of the show, yeah. but that's exactly them leading you down that path. And I com- it went way the fuck over my head. When I saw that, I was like, wow, that makes sense. All the while, during this whole sequence, a yellow python is behind them, which kills its prey by squeezing the life out of them. Okay? Livia Soprano. Michael referred to the snake in the director's cut as a good actor. That (laughs) python. The way it moved, he knew exactly what to do. And it's true. If you watch the snake, the snake is moving down, and then it looks right into the fucking camera. Matouche goes to sit down with Jackie. And Jackie acts like some kind of fucking boss, doesn't he? His little Michael Corleone moment. (laughs) It's so funny. He's an associate. With the finger on the cheek. Come on, man. It was was a perfect homage. Um, There was a reference that I didn't catch and I couldn't find. I I looked deep, too, for a pre-real golfer. Mentions the U.S. Open, the golfer. Is there? I'm going to put it out there. If you know who we're talking about, please tell me. The so, what happened? Finger to the side of the face was perfect. You love that. He actually acted to perfection there. Cut to great cut. Yeah, that was good. From one sit down to another. And the definition of sit down will become abundantly clear to us in a few moments. Um, but there's a bunch of sit downs in this show, right? AJ gets to stay in school. AJ's teachers are having a sit down with AJ and his parents. Is it really because he's good at football or is it because of Tony? I don't know. I think it's because of fucking Tony. No no knock on AJ, but he's not. I experienced this a little bit in high school. There were some guys that got in trouble for fighting, and it was the night of a big football game, and surprisingly, they were still in the game. And it is, that was sort of the the philosophy of when you got in trouble in these schools. Private schools. Uh, Private schools are just well to do areas that uh, kids are kids, and we're just going to screw them up more if we then kick them out of the school or punish them with no education. Why was Carmela so mad? Nice segue. Well, the, I think the thing is, is that uh, parents expect teachers to just run their kids. Mm. And it's really the responsibility of the parents. But does she to, want him to really get expelled? I don't think so, but I think they're just taken aback that nothing's being done about it. She's contradicting herself a lot in this episode, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. she's like shocked and appalled that the system is not punishing her son but she's accepting sapphires from ill-gotten gains you know and it's there's always that we talk we talk about this over and over again but 
There's a great footnote in the Sopranos sessions about this. You're saying, why is Carmelo so mad? Uh, I'll quote them here. Edie Falco's delivery of, so it's not exactly zero tolerance, is a masterclass in how to put sarcastic air quotes around a word without lifting any fingers. Interesting. I like that. It's great, too, right? Yeah. Um, quick note on AJ's fashion. Can't leave without talking about the fact that he's donning a Pantera hoodie, Machine Head hoodie, and a Fear Factory hat. These are all heavy metal bands. Um, he's been seen wearing sick. Slipknot before. Yeah. Love it. Jackie goes to talk to Chris at the Bing. Just to mention this a few minutes ago. It's a great Christopher shoot-down, right? Mm. And we learn something, the difference between a sit-down and a chat. He was so cool in that scene. <laughs> yeah, he's so cool. He wrote the episode, man. Yeah. He fucking made it. This whole episode, Christopher's extra cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I feel like it's an overcompensation because on the last one that I did, which was also episode nine of that season, yeah. um, he's in a coma the whole time yeah. right. for most of it. Right. I like the seat saving rule too. Yeah. Like Sylvia's not coming back. But right. Just right. a power move. Matouche gets beat up again outside the club, put in a hospital, tells Jackie he doesn't think the crew likes him. At that moment, he's a little like Tom Hanks on an island in Castaway. It's never going to end. Ralphie, school of pasta making. Okay, we learn from Ralphie how to make some really good fucking pasta. Naya, do you attest to his recipe, yay or nay? Yes, but he missed one really important. What did he miss? The pasta water. You got to put pasta water in there. So the water that has been like marinating in mm-hmm. the... You got to pour a little pasta water in and pull it in. But I, you take it off, you put a little sauce in, you put it back on the heat with the butter and put a little pasta water in, yeah. little gravy? Is gravy and sauce, are they syn- synonymous terms? Yes. Okay. One of the major gripes in the world is that he didn't actually stir it for as long as he suggested to. Yeah, well, you, you got to make cuts. His apron, so good. This whole scene, Michael got this recipe from Frank Cubitoso. He learned it from him, and that's where he got the, the head content. of the FBI. Yeah. Oh well, he owns Rayos. That makes yeah. sense. He did. Um, in this scene, Jackie gets a gun. Uh, Ralphie supplies him with the gun, which to me was a nail in the coffin. That was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now this is like again, you're going, you're contrasting. Like this is his father figure, and his father figure handed him a gun, which is essentially saying, "Good luck, kid." Yeah. At the time, I thought that the gun was going to foreshadow something in the future. Yeah. Well, we do. As mm-hmm. far as we're concerned, right now. But as a deliberate item, I don't yeah. know if it ever does. Tony and Gloria in a hotel, Plaza Hotel. Kind of feels like it. Test Dream Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really are in love with yourself, aren't you? Discuss, please. What triggered that? Where she's is she going? so insecure. So she's baiting him to give her compliments back, and he doesn't. So that's where she starts to make these comments. Like, I do this all the time sometimes to men. I'll say something hoping that I'll get a response or like trigger him to like well, I really like you, or like, oh, like, you know, this is so blah, blah, blah. But he doesn't take any of the bait, and that's why she has to, like, give him a little dig. Well, the the line was, um, you know, I don't need anything from you. Yeah, and he as just a, says okay. As a, um, a mistress, uh, I think Tony, and even in that episode, you're kind of concerned because she brings up the kids and the wife. Yeah, she's baiting and, him all the time. And I think for her response to that was to be like, I want to let you know that it's okay for me to be your mistress. And that was going to maybe have Tony be more comfortable with them being an item. 
Maybe, but I think she also is just saying that to see what he's going to say back to her. And then he doesn't say, like, well, I need you. Like, I really like you. Like, give her some validation. She's, like, horribly insecure, this woman, and projecting. What, what did she want? So, Naya, what would have been the right answer? What would you have wanted to hear? If I was his side chick, I would want to know that he's, like, into me in a way that, because she's threatened by her Didn't he already wife. say that, though? I've never yeah, met anybody like you. But I'm crazy about you. Yeah. I want to get you out of here. I'll take you anywhere you want to go. I'll take you to the south but of fucking France. But it's never enough. She's nuts. She's okay. nuts. She's unstable and doesn't know how to be in healthy relationships. Like so the it's fact n- that he got her a Louis Vuitton thing was also thoughtful. She's constantly dissatisfied. Well, and her saying that he can, you know, she doesn't need anything from him, like that's the exact opposite. She 100%. needs everything from exactly. him. And she's telling him what she thinks he wants to hear. Mm-hmm. She wants to hold his gun. Guns in two back-to-back scenes. His eyes, when she's holding it, that's exactly the kind of eyes that I would have. <laughs> Do you let her hold it if you're him? He doesn't know. So we actually know more about her at this point than he does. Because we know from her therapy session that she's got failed marriages, or failed relationships, and suicidal ideation, or whatever the hell, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, do you let her hold it if you're him? I wouldn't. I'd... I would. You would? It's yeah, just trust? It's like, it's like a power thing. It's a trust thing? It's like thing? a sexy, uh, you know. As a gun owner, okay. that, that is a totally irresponsible thing to do. So, so John, you're a gun owner. Um, was that gun loaded? Oh, yeah. Do you have to, like, activate it if it's loaded? Like, was it like a safety? That particular thirty-eight probably doesn't have a, a safety. So it's all she has to do is click well, and, it, and it's, the bolt It's a out. double action. So you have a hammer that you could pull back. And then pull, or you can just pull the trigger and it would rotate through that revolver. Part of me's thinking, because he's a, he's a depressive, we know that. Part of me's thinking, let her hold the gun, you know, put me out of my fucking misery. You know, I don't know. Anyway, that's just me being morbid and reading too much Kurt Cobain. Uh, <laughs> Tony Melfi Session. You do look happy, I must say. The zoo made you happy. The zoo made you happy. Feels like a loaded line. I can't quite put my finger on it, but the zoo made you happy. Like the zoo of life, the zoo of his of his life. There's just a lot of stuff in that statement, and I'm just putting it out there. She identifies that he likes animals and has this particular thing for ducks, and maybe she's looking for some sort of tie-in with oh, the Oh, I like the duck tie-in is what I was looking for. There's yeah. something there. Something with the animals. But I also think she's slightly sarcastic. Yeah. Because he's like super, he's depressed all the time. So she's like, oh, the zoo made you happy? All right. <laughs> Whatever you want to tell me, sir. Oh, I missed, I didn't touch on the fact that we, Gloria was in therapy. So we know that, we know more about her than Tony does at this point. Wrap your brain around the fact mm-hmm. that we're in the hotel with them. Um, we know more about her than Tony does at this point because she goes to therapy and we get to see Melfi in this great new element. She's with a patient other than Tony, right? She mentions that she lit the torch. She had a dream where she lit the torch at the Olympics. And I'm going to ask Melfi's question, which is, what do you think that represented? Think on it. I'll leave it there for listeners too. Um, Melfi asks about a man's voice. Hmm. I'm a little offended that you put it to me that way. Offended? Why? Well, I don't pay you to be under your surveillance. How dare you? You came to me after attempting suicide over the breakup with Barry. I ask you because you're under my care. 
I think it's very unprofessional of you to confront me this way. My question for you guys, is Melfi jealous that Gloria is pursuing Tony because she didn't? No, I think she just doesn't like that she's lying to her. I think Gloria has such a... She's gaslighting. She's trying really hard to overcompensate. You can tell she's guilty for something, like, super... I can, you know... I'm no therapist, but I would know she's lying. Well, we were playing around with the conspiracy that we thought she put them together last week. And if that was the case, this... I don't know why she would be so upset about them being together now. Do you think she knows it's him? Yes. Yeah. She she, she sees him once a week for an hour a day. Yeah. Twice a week for an hour a day. She knows his voice. Yeah. True. Uh, Michael in the director's cut says, I think she's jealous. I'm going to just subscribe to that too. She's jealous. She wants to sleep with Tony. Who doesn't? She wants to, she she fantasizes about Tony. She always has. Um, Okay. Tony, so so to, the Tony Melfi session, um, the zoo made you happy. He says Gloria's lying to Melfi, okay? Uh, Melfi picks up on it quick, mentions the Eastern flavor. Her facial expression. Her facial amazing. expression's amazing. Um, her and Edie Falco, very impressive use of face without words to convey. Totally. She's like, um, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, he says Sun Tzu, <laughs> but that's BS and she knows it. Because she knows Sun Tzu's, first of all, not Buddhist and not even from that part, like area. It's a completely, they're completely different timelines. So she knows right then and there, in my mind at least, that that's, that, that uh, Gloria and Tony are having an affair. That yeah, that's, what, that's the key that's the, that's moment. That's the moment yeah. right there. Why is he saying this now? Because when he confronts Gloria, he's like, I knew there was something wrong. Like, why is he converted? I think he's just been spending so much time with her. He just loves and her. And like, he her. repeats everything that he hears. Mm. I've said this before. She's a new toy. She's yeah. a snake. And when you have a new toy, you're going to play with that toy. You're going to be really happy and joyous and ebullient. Is until... he under her spell? Yeah, of course. I mean, look. those It's Gloria. Those Oof. knees. Tony pays her extra for good, what do you say, good results. Mm-hmm. I have an interesting thought here I want to toss out at you guys. Her son, we learn a moment later, needs pricey books. This is a great way for her to break her professional stature in a subtle way. She becomes a little complicit here. Just like Carmela with the Sapphire, although extra cash for books and Harry Winston precious gems are not, you know, they're on different spectrums. But the principle's the same. Melfi is using the blood money to quote Dr. Krakauer. And she's justifying it. She's justifying it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tony sees Jackie in a casino. The only point of note here that I, you know, that I want to make is that we're getting further confirmation that this character has a target on his back. The writers at this point are not being subtle about it. I mean, the fact that he says, you're here. Yeah. I was like, boy. Why did he even live past that day? I know. Yeah. Actually, Tony, and you mentioned that, but Tony handled that really nicely. Yeah. Yeah. I had uh, an issue when he was at the Bing and he ran off and set off the fire alarm. How would yeah. Tony not have known? Or would Chris have said something at that point? Like, I think Chris thinks he's so much higher up than Jackie that he wouldn't even want anyone to know that, that he, he was, was hanging out with him. Jackie. Yeah, he's like Guilt such an elitist now. I like that explanation. Right? Yeah. Little Lord fuck pants. <laughs> Later, Carm tells Tony that Jackie took Meadow to see Aida on Broadway. Finally, come to the end, my friends. AJ, cleaning the gutters. Bleak, landscape outside. 
an otherwise pretty innocuous, sleepy episode. But the song, I Who Have Nothing, Benny King, it's an Italian song. So good. Covered in English. It's so fucking good. The Italian song is called Uno de Tanti. Mm. What does that mean? The same thing as the title. Uno de Tanti. (laughs) Your Italian's getting better and better. Um, So the song, the foliage, the tranquil domestic kitchen table Mm. foreshadows, I hope you love where I'm going with this, that winter is coming. Oh. Happy Game of Thrones Eve to everyone, by the way. I hope a Stark ends up on the Iron Throne. John, you with me? Oh, yeah. Let's end on that note. My pizza never hurt nobody. My pizza never hurt nobody. (laughs) 